Father, we want to thank you for your work among us. God, thank you that you're kind and gracious and merciful. Father, I want to thank you that Christ left us the Spirit, sent the Holy Spirit of God to live among us and said that it was better for him to go away because if he didn't, the comforter would not come, that God living in us is better than God living beside us, Jesus is teaching. And so thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit, and we pray that even in these moments, you would work powerfully in our lives. God, I confess that there's something I'm hoping to see done in me and in our fellowship that I cannot do. And so I'm asking you, Father, would you, by the power of your Spirit, using your word as a mighty sword, cut and divide our lives and our hearts in a way that would glorify you, that would benefit the people around us, and that would make us more like Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for Pastor Jeff. Encourage him. May the people of God at Harbor City Baptist Church be filled with the knowledge of your word and the power of your spirit. May they go out on mission to make disciples where they live, work, and play. Lord, we'll give you the glory for all that you do, and we pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Go ahead and take your Bibles. Be ready to open them to the book of Romans. Uh, But before you do, I just wanna ask this question. Have you ever been lost? And I mean like the real lost, like heart-pounding, panic-inducing moments where you had no idea where you were. There have only been a couple moments in my life where I've experienced that kind of lostness, and I actually remember one of them very clearly. It's one of my earliest memories from childhood. I must have been about three years old. My family was shopping in Kmart, and there are a few things that I remember about that incident when I got lost in Kmart. It sort of has lived in infamy among our family ever since. The first thing I remember clearly is that I was small enough at that time that I remember identifying my parents from their knees down. Now, I know that sounds weird, but that's how I did it. My world at the time was a lot like Charlie Brown episodes that had adults in them. You remember those Charlie Brown? You never actually saw their face. It was just a world full of calves and shoes, right? Just the knees down. So that's one thing. Don't judge me on that. I was a kid. The other thing that I remember about that trip is it was my first encounter with sea monkeys, Now, if you don't know what sea monkeys are, then I want to apologize for how boring your childhood must have been. Sea monkeys are incredible. There I am in the middle of Kmart staring at this display for sea monkeys, and I'm imagining how incredible it would be to have my very own sea monkey circus. And then it it dawned on me, I realized... I didn't recognize any of the feet around me, Uh, just aisle after aisle of anonymous shoes. And my little three-year-old mind started racing. I was panicking. I started looking around and seeing all of these different shoes, sandals, orthopedics, biker boots, not good. I couldn't recognize anything. So I started to panic in that moment and think, would I ever see my family again? What do they do with kids at Kmart? Could I have been placed in layaway for some needy family? What, what exactly is a blue light special? I'm just panicking there. Up one aisle, down the other until I came to the very front of the store and there they were. I can still remember the moment. Mom's shoes at the front 
of Kmart. And she was in them, by the way. So that's the, the best part. It was a glorious moment in my childhood. And I remember it clearly. Those feet were beautiful to me because of what they represented. I was going home. I would have a family. I wasn't lost anymore. And as silly as it might seem, the passage of scripture that we will be in is about a similar dynamic that God has instilled among the people of the earth. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And I just want to let you know that the first part of the book of Romans is telling us that every man, woman, child on the face of the earth today is lost. They're lost and they're powerless in their own sin and their brokenness. And it's not just that we've innocently gone on our own way, it's that we've willfully and deliberately, the Bible refers to it as sinfully chosen to turn our backs against God as our God. And here we lie in our sin and in our brokenness and we've become so unbroken because of our sin, we cannot make ourselves right with God again. So Romans is telling us in one, two, and three, all people everywhere, every man, woman, child on the face of this earth is lost and paralyzed in their own brokenness and sin. And then we find that there are consequences to being lost and broken in our sin, namely that we're separated from God himself. We're separated from his goodness and his loveliness and his glory and all of the pleasure that is ours in God as God for our lives. So as we're separated from the life of God in our sin, the Bible tells us that if we die in that place, we will spend eternity separated from God because of our sin and we will live under the rightful judgment of our willful disobedience to almighty God in a place the Bible calls hell. But Romans then changes tones in, a, in the midst of, of chapter four. We find that God in his kindness and in his mercy has made a way by which every man, woman, child could be saved by the work of Jesus Christ. In his unlimited mercy and love, God sent Jesus Christ, his son, into this world. And as a man, Jesus Christ lived the life that we couldn't live, a perfect life, totally pleasing to God the Father. And, and in our place, Jesus Christ suffered the death we should have died, a death as a payment, as punishment for our sin and rebellion against God. And then after his death, Jesus rose again from the dead three days later, proving that his life was pleasing to God and incorruptible because he had never sinned. And also so that he could give his victorious life to us as his followers so that we as well could live a life pleasing to God the Father. And all of that is what the Bible is referring to when it refers to us being saved. God sent a rescuer or a savior. His name is Jesus. And Jesus in his perfect life, his sacrificial death and his victorious resurrection saves every man, woman, and child who trusts in him. And he saves them from the penalty of their sin, from the power of their sin, and one day from the very presence of sin in eternity in heaven. And so that begs this question, how will they be saved? How is it that they'll actually get to that place of being saved from their sin? And Romans 10 is answering that question. How will they, every person who will be saved, how will they be saved? Look at Romans chapter 10, and we're gonna start reading in verse 13. Verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved 
How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach or proclaim unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he's heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for us this morning, and we're going to be talking about our joyful mission in light of what we read there in Romans chapter 10. And I just want us to notice, what we just read is the God-ordained series of events that will take place for every person who will be saved to be saved. So if you ask the question, how will they be saved? No matter who you're talking about, on the face of this earth, the answer's found here in Romans 10. They will call on Jesus. They will trust in him. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God in Hebrews chapter 11. Faith comes by hearing, we're here, we, we just read in verse 17, and hearing through the word of Jesus Christ. So when we ask this question, how will my children be saved? Or how will the children around this world be saved? Or how will Americans and Guatemalans and Chinese and South Africans be saved? We find our answer here in Romans chapter 10. And here's what I want us to see. We're going to get a couple of observations from this text. Look at verse 13. I want you to see this first thing here. Everyone, look at verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who's the Lord? Jesus, right? Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Did you guys hear that statement? Because that that's what the Bible refers to as good news. Every man, woman, and child who calls on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. How many? Everyone. Every single one. No one is excluded from the salvation that God's provided through Jesus so long as they call on his name to save him through faith in the gospel of Jesus. Look at back at verse 9. Verse 13 is an extension of verse 9, and I want us to see this as clearly as we can. Verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, if you acknowledge that Jesus is who he says he is, namely he's God in the flesh, that if you confess Jesus is Lord, and believe, not, not just a, an empty confession, not just a repeat after me or a formulaic mindless response, but you believe this in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. So you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and you believe Jesus has done what he said he would do. It says you will be saved. Verse 10, for with your heart, it's with your heart you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile because the same Lord, Jesus, is Lord over all and he richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Guys, this is reason to celebrate every person who calls on Jesus and acknowledges him as their Lord and their savior and believes that he was raised again from the dead after he died on the cross for our sins. Every person who will confess and believe that will be saved. Every one of them, every American, all of your kids, 
every one of your neighbors and your coworkers, every one of the 33,000 people in Merritt Island, every one of the 600,000 people in Brevard County, every one of the 20 million that live in the state of Florida, every one of the 330 million people who live in America, all of the Chinese and Brazilians and Russians and Pakistanis, every person from every tribe and language and tongue and nation who will call on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved eternally by the grace of God. That's good news. That's good news. And that's one reason why our mission is a joyful mission, because our message is a joyful message of good news. That's what gospel means, good news. Everyone who calls on Jesus Christ, absolutely every single one will be saved eternally for their sins, from their sins. We have a message of good news, so our mission is a joyful mission. The, the scene that I couldn't get out of my mind was, if you imagine working in a hospital, And it was your job to deliver test results to the patients who had certain illnesses or thought they had certain illnesses. And at the beginning of the day, they broke those down into the individuals whose whose tests confirmed they had a life-threatening illness and all of those individuals whose tests revealed they didn't have anything wrong with them. Imagine the difference between those two piles. If you got to choose which one, you may choose to do both because of your love for people, but one would be a joyful mission, right? You get to be the one who delivers good news. And that's the call of God over our lives. And that's why our mission is a joyful mission. We have a message of good news. Everyone on the face of the earth who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. That's good news that brings great joy for all people. For unto us is born in the city of David a Savior who's Christ the Lord and all who trust in him will be saved eternally. That truth infuses our mission with joy. But then look at verses 14 and 15. Paul asks a series of rhetorical questions and these rhetorical questions outline for us the God-ordained series of events that he has used to bring people to the place of actually calling on Jesus. So how will they call on Jesus to be saved? Look at verse 14. This is not a long or difficult to understand sequence. Verse 14 says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? The answer is they they can't. They won't. It's obvious. And it goes on to say, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And the answer is obvious, right? They can't. They, they won't. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? They can't. They won't. Verse 15, and how can they preach or proclaim unless they are sent? They can't. They won't. This sequence shows us something that's pretty simple. We see people must believe the message of Jesus before they will call on him to save them. And people must hear the message of Jesus before they'll believe on him. And people must have someone telling or proclaiming the message of Jesus to them before they will hear it and believe it and call on him. And people must have someone who is sent to them so they will go before they will have someone to tell them about Jesus so they'll hear about Jesus, so they'll believe in Jesus, so they'll call on Jesus. And here's the bottom line, church. Something all of us have to wrestle with within the context of the scriptures and not just modern day thought, and not just our sentiment of loving people, but what the Bible actually says, the bottom line in these verses is this, people will not be saved until someone is sent to preach the message of Jesus to them. You hear that? 
people will not be saved until someone is sent to preach the message of Jesus to them and they have to go and proclaim Christ. That's why declaring the gospel news of Jesus to the ends of the earth is our mission, church. Because people will not be saved until they hear the message of Jesus to believe it, to call on Christ for salvation. And that's why verse 15 says this. How beautiful. Because that's true. Because that's the reality in which we live. Regardless of how palatable it is for our modern thinking, the reality in which we live is just that. That's why verse 15 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Because without the good news, people will not believe and call on Jesus to be saved so they will perish in their sins. It's a sobering reality. It's also a joyful mission. Because our feet, our very lives are beautiful when they are aligned and walking in God's plan for saving people from every tribe and tongue and nation from the face of this earth. And I wanna, I wanna show you something about this mission and, and what we're engaging in as our feet engage in following Jesus into his mission. So go to Revelation chapter five. I wanna show you some other reason why this mission is joyful. It's joyful because our message is good news. But I want you to see something here in Revelation chapter five. This is a beautiful picture about the end of time. Revelation chapter five. And I'm gonna begin reading in verse nine. And this is a scene around the throne of heaven. And verse nine says, they sang a new song saying, worthy are you, speaking of Jesus, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from where, from where, from where, from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign. Who shall reign? The people who were saved from every tribe and tongue and nation on the earth by Jesus. They shall reign on the earth. Verse 11, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and blessing. That's talking about Jesus. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. That's a pretty comprehensive place of, 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 of individuals. Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb whose name is Jesus be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. This is the word of God. And there are two reasons I want you to see that in light of this mission we see about making the gospel known to the ends of the earth. For those who have beautiful feet and are willing to be a part of Jesus' mission to the nations, Two reasons I would show you that passage of scripture from Revelation. The first reason is this. I want you to notice that the end of time reveals that that mission to the ends of the earth is an absolute success. You see that? Right there, they're praising Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, you have ransomed from every tribe and language and nation and tongue a people for your very own. This mission to take the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth, you wanna know something, church? It's gonna happen and it cannot fail. It will succeed. 
It will succeed. People from every tribe and every tongue and every nation under heaven will be gathered around the throne of God forever. And that should bring us joy. This is a mission that cannot fail. And I want you to see the second thing. I want you to notice that all of heaven, and I pointed it out to you, verse 13 says, it's, it's not just all of heaven, it says every creature, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the seas and all that's in them. I'm not sure what's left, but all these creatures, angels and saved people and maybe worms and whales and maybe even your dog, I don't know, but all creatures on heaven and earth, all the creatures glorify Jesus. Why? Because they're saying Jesus is the one who did this. They say Jesus is the one. He accomplished the salvation for all of these people from every tribe and tongue and nation. All praise is given to Jesus because Jesus is the one who actually did it all in the first place. This is the mission that Jesus is on in the world today. And here's why I share that with you. Because it shows us That if you ever wonder, if you ever wonder, what's Jesus doing in the world today? What's Jesus up to right now? What's Jesus concerned with? What's Jesus doing among us and other nations? What's Jesus doing? We find it right here and all throughout scripture. Jesus is saving people from every part of this world. He's doing it right now. So Jesus is doing. And Romans 10 is telling us how Jesus is doing it. Jesus is the one who does this. How does Jesus do it? Romans 10 just told us. Jesus is doing this because he's taking his people to take his joyful message on a mission to the ends of the earth. And that's another reason why our mission is a joyful mission. Not just because our message is a joyful message and not just because it's destined to succeed and it cannot fail, but our mission is a joyful mission because when we align our lives with what Jesus is actively doing in the world today, we get to live with a front row seat to see the power and glory and grace of Jesus on display among the world because this is what Jesus is doing. We get to join Jesus with his work. You know what that means about your life? It means your life can become an integral part of what Jesus uses to show off his glory and his grace and his power and his mercy in the world today. Some of you feel hungry to see Jesus work in your world. You feel hungry to see Jesus display his power in your life and in your home and in your family. You want the joy of being in a boat that would otherwise sink and then having Jesus Christ speak in power and perform a miracle and experience the almighty grace and goodness of Jesus in your life. Some of you are hungry for that. You want a front row seat to see Jesus. And here's what I'll tell you. If you want that kind of life, if you want that kind of life, then follow Jesus into what he has said he's doing in the world today, namely calling people by his grace from every tribe and tongue and nation. Align your home, your family, your job, your hobbies, your money with his global mission of making disciples from all the nations. You know what that does? It turns your life from a drab, mundane, mediocre existence in middle America 
to a person who has a vivid display of God being God and Christ being glorious by his grace and power through the gospel among the nations of the world. If you wanna know what our mission is, it's a joyful mission because our message is a message of good news. It's a mission that cannot fail and it's destined to succeed because it's what Jesus is doing in the world. That means when you align your life with the global mission of Jesus among the nations of this earth, you get to have a front row seat with your own two eyes to see the power and work of Jesus Christ among the nations. That's a joyful mission. Guys, that's a life worth living. And that's why, and that's why it says, how beautiful, how beautiful is the life of the person who lives to take good news to the nations. How beautiful are the feet of those who follow Jesus to the ends of the earth to see him work in grace and glory among all of the people on this planet. How beautiful, how beautiful, not how mundane, not how drab, not how meaningless, not how mediocre, how beautiful are the feet of those who answer God's call to be a part of the global mission who answer the sending call of God and they leave the comfort of their living room and the comfort of their office space and their hometown or maybe their country of origin when someone answers that sending call and they go to their neighbor or their coworker or they go to the unreached nations of this world and they head out on a mission with Jesus Christ to tell his gospel to those who've never heard. Their feet are beautiful. Their lives are beautiful. They get to live with Jesus and a front row seat to see him work. William Carey believed this when in 1793 he left his home in England to take the gospel of Jesus to India. He never returned and he died in 1834 and he buried two wives and three children. He suffered malaria and poverty and he didn't baptize his first convert until seven years of being on the field. His life was hard and poor and sick and beautiful because his feet took the good news to people who would never have otherwise heard. Jim Elliot believed this. In 1949, when he wrote in his journal, he is no fool who, can't, who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And he went to the jungles of Ecuador to reach a remote tribe with the gospel of Jesus. And he was killed by that tribe on January 8th, 1956 in an effort to make contact with them to share the gospel with them. He was 29 years old. And he wrote in a letter to his family, remember, you are immortal until your work is done, but don't let the sands of time get into the eyes of your vision to reach those who still sit in darkness. They simply must hear. Just before he left for his last time, his wife asked him if he and his team would use their guns against the villagers should they be attacked. And and Jim answered emphatically, no, they would not. And when she asked him why, he said this, because we are ready for heaven and they are not. And he never came home. And his life was hard and short and beautiful because his feet carried the good news of Jesus to those who would never have heard. And the person who told you about Jesus believed this. 
when they thought it was a better use of their time and their life, and they believed that whatever convenience this world had to offer that would have distracted them from the mission of the gospel, that it was less beautiful than bringing the good news to you, they believed this and their feet were beautiful because they preached the gospel of Jesus to you and you believed and confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. The feet of those who align their lives with the mission of Christ are beautiful because they get to live on a joyful mission mission of being with Jesus on a task that cannot fail with a message that is absolutely the best news in all of the world. How beautiful are their feet. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we respond to this? I got to tell you, there are four things I'm praying will happen in your life. And and those four things align uh, closely with this card that many of you, I hope all of you have a commitment card for our, our mission emphasis this year. And I just put a few things down and here's what I'm praying God will do in your heart. Here's the first thing. I, I, pr- I pray you'll care. I pray you'll care. Will you go back to Romans chapter nine with me? Romans chapter nine. I want you to see what's, what, what's in Paul's heart as he says what he says about the mission of Christ. Romans chapter nine. Paul doesn't, he doesn't write this in a detached, uncaring, heartless way. This truth that if people don't hear, they won't know. And if they don't know, they won't believe. If they don't believe, they they won't call on Jesus and they won't be saved. He doesn't, he's not heartless about that. Look what he says in Romans 9. He says, I'm speaking the truth, verse 1. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Now look how deeply he feels this. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Do you guys realize what we just read? Here's what Paul says. If I could, I can't do this, but if I could, if I could, I would trade my eternal salvation for the salvation of those who have yet to believe. He says, I would, here's another way of saying it, I would spend eternity in hell if that meant that those who have yet to believe would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. I'd give away my salvation. What on earth do you care about like that? What on earth would stir your heart and mine to say something like that? To say, if it were possible, I'd trade my eternal destiny for the salvation of men, women, and children around this world. Maybe we'd say that about our kids, maybe about our spouse, maybe about our closest friends, maybe about the people in the smallest group of people. What about, what about the, the billions of people who have yet to hear? hear? Do we care? Is there something deep in our heart that says, I have unceasing anguish when I think about the 3.1 billion people on the face of this earth who are unreached by the gospel of Jesus and what that means? I, I, I can't be flippant about people like the Sheikh people group from India. Just one people group that live in India, uh, Bangladesh, and, and uh, Pakistan, right there in that region of the old. 236 million people 
Statistically speaking, 0.00% of them follow Jesus Christ. 236 million, just to put that in perspective, if you took the continental United States and you took off California, Texas, and Florida and just the rest of that population in the continental United States, there are more people in that one people group than there are in the rest of the continental United States. Here's what that means practically. 0.00% of them are followers of Jesus. You could get in your car in Maine, drive all the way down through New York City and Philadelphia and Washington, D.C., and all the way down through the Carolinas in Georgia and then head back up through the Midwest and Tennessee and Kentucky and Ohio and Indiana and, and, and maybe even Michigan. You'd go there and Minnesota and Wisconsin. You go down through the plain states. You go all the way throughout this country and you would never see a church and you wouldn't even see a Christian. 0.00% of them are followers of Jesus. Here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping you'll care about that something in you will say that's not okay. It's not okay that they would live and die and never hear. Or what about the Japanese? 121 million, 0.3% identify as evangelical Christians. Or the Brahmin, 62 million, unreached with the gospel. The Yadav, 61 million, unreached with the gospel. The Turks, 55 million, unreached with the gospel that would save their souls. I hope you care deeply about that. My prayer is that you will care about the lostness of this world. And that God would do more than move you to tears. He would move you to action. That in your life, you would align yourself with the mission of Christ among the nations. So I pray that you'll care. Here's the second thing. I pray that you'll pray. Go to Romans chapter 10 again. And I want you to see here, verse one of Romans 10. So he says, my heart breaks over the losses. So what do you do next, Paul? What do you do next besides care? What do you do next? Look at verse one of chapter 10. Chapter 10, he says, brothers, my heart's desire, this passion in my heart, he says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. I hope you care, I hope you pray. I hope you pray. When was the last time you prayed for an unreached people group by name? When was the last time you prayed that the gospel would reach another nation that isn't ours And you called on God to send laborers into that nation. Let me give you a couple of resources. Some of you want to take that that mission commitment card and you can just check that you will, you'll commit to send missionaries by being a part of a prayer team and praying regularly for them. If you'll just check that box, our mission team will send you regular updates on how you can pray for the work of Christ among the nations. Some of you may want to download an app for your phone. It's called IMB Pray, International Mission Board Pray. It's a free app for your iPhones, for your Androids, whatever you're using, and it will give you daily updates on how you can pray for the work of Jesus Christ among the nations. Some of you may want to go to a website called operationworld.com, operationworld.org, I'm sorry, .org. That is a prayer movement for the unreached peoples of the earth. I pray that you will care about global lostness. I pray that we will be a church who prays. Jesus himself said, and when you look out and see the lostness of this world, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers out into his harvest. Church, let's pray for the work of Jesus among the nations. I pray you'll care. I pray you'll pray. Here's the other thing is I pray you'll go. I pray you'll go. How will they hear unless someone proclaims? And how will someone proclaim unless they're sent? And the answer to that is 
is they won't. And they need to be sent and they need to go. I pray that you'll go. I would love, I would love in our lifetime if we saw hundreds of people leave this community to be vocational long-term missionaries among the nations of this earth. Would you pray and ask God if he's doing that in your heart and your family? Just pray, God, am I willing to go to the nations for the rest of my life? Are you calling me to that? Some of you may be called to go on a short-term, serve on a short-term mission trip this year. You can check on your mission commitment card that you are interested in that. I encourage you to go to the nations so you can take the gospel with you. And I also pray that you'll send, that you'll be a part of sending. Guys, there are Jim Elliott's ready to go. There are William Carey's ready to go. There are Lottie Moon's ready to go to the mission field if we as their brothers and sisters would be faithful to send them to the nations. I pray you'll be a part of sending individuals to the nations. And here's one of the ways that we do that here. We have missionary support teams that personally care for the individuals that we've sent from our church. You may wanna serve on a missionary support team so that you can care for those who've been sent. You can check that box. We'd be glad to put you on a missionary care team. The other way that we do that is through generous giving. We're not ashamed to call you to give generously to the mission of Christ, to send those who are willing to go as career missionaries around the world. Here's the question, how much is God calling you to, send, to give to send the gospel around the world? How is the mission of Jesus prioritized in your home in a way that's reflected not only by how you spend your time and how you pray your prayers, but how you give the money God's called you to steward. I pray you'll care. I pray you'll pray. I'll pray you give. I pray you'll go. And I'm gonna start where we began. I've been praying that someone would call on Jesus today to save them. The good news that everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved is true for you. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what's going on in your life or what you've done, but here's what the Bible tells us, that God's grace is greater than all our sin and whoever will call on Christ and confess their need for him will be forgiven of every single sin they've ever committed. Have you called on Jesus to save you? I pray you will not leave this place without knowing Christ as your savior and without asking him how he's calling you to align your life with his mission among the nations of the earth. And before we go out into the rest of our day, I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and let's enter into a time of prayer. This is right there where you are. If you just bow your head and close your eyes, we're gonna spend a few moments in prayer. Personally responding to the truth of this message. The first thing I just want to ask you is, are you trusting in Jesus Christ? Do you know that your sins are forgiven by the work of Jesus on your behalf? Have you acknowledged that you are a sinner, broken and unable to save yourself and Jesus lived the life you couldn't live, a perfect life, pleasing to God in every way? that he died a death, you should have died as a payment for your sin. As he hung on the cross, God placed our sin on him and punished them in Jesus. And do you believe that Jesus rose again from the dead and are you trusting in his victorious life to empower yours? If you've never called on Jesus, if you're not trusting in Jesus, I wanna encourage you before you leave, even in these moments, call on Christ to save you. Call on Jesus to rescue you from the brokenness of your sin.
And would you ask God, those of you who are saying, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm trusting in Jesus, would you ask the Father to stir up a passion in your heart for the people of this earth? Would you say, God, would you cause me to care? Would you, would you enable me to care about those who are, who are far from you? Would you ask the Father to give you understanding in how he's calling you to pray? And maybe even right now you would have a grace commitment, trusting in him to give you resources, connect you with the right reminders. But you would commit by his grace to start praying for the nations of this earth, that God would send laborers into the harvest. Ask God to stir your heart to pray and make a plan for how you'll be reminded to pray for the nations. How's God calling you to go? Are you willing to ask the Father to lay it on your heart? Should he want you to go and serve on a short-term mission trip this year? Or maybe you're one of those individuals that God has already begun stirring to spend your retirement or your career as a career missionary among a group of people who need to hear the gospel. Would you ask the Father to impress that on your heart and to stir up joy as you think about being a part of his mission that way? What about how you'll be a part of sending? Would you ask God to give you a heart to send others who've answered his call to go among the nations? Some of you may feel called. Would you, would you ask God to stir your hearts if he wants you to be a part of a missionary care team that you'd commit to doing that in the next year? Would you ask the Father to lay on your heart how much of his money he would want you to give to the mission of Christ. Maybe regularly, maybe a one-time gift to be a part of sending those who would go. Father, we, we need you. We need you to do what only you can do among us. God, I pray for those individuals and Afghanistan and Pakistan, those people groups around India, Bangladesh. Father, I pray for those men, women, and children in China, those people in Russia. Father, those individuals who are part of people groups who span the, the, the borders of nations, Persian-speaking people. Father, the Kurds, the Turks. Lord, I pray for those individuals in South America and Africa, Asia and Europe, North America, Latin America, God, the people all around this globe who are far from you. Father, who are far from you and have never heard the gospel of Jesus, would you stir us to care about that?
God, would you enable us to pray regularly for your global mission? God, would you, would you stir us to go in the ways you're calling us to go? Even this week, you may have laid on our hearts someone you want us to tell the gospel to in this very community. Would we go on mission with you? God, I pray that we would send faithfully. I pray we would give generously. God, I pray that you would stir the hearts of people in this room in the way that you'd call them to align with your kingdom. And for those who have yet to be saved, I pray they would call on Jesus because everyone who calls on the name of Christ will be saved. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.